0: Well, loving ourselves, let's ask God to come and to speak to us this morning. Join me in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us this morning. I pray that your message is spoken through my lips and through my heart. Bless every one of my brothers and sisters present here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's not what I'm focusing on today. Why? Because we're all here. And I'm assuming that we're here because we love our God. Because we have given up golf. Thank you, husband. (laughs) Because we have given up, although football is not happening, but... We are here this morning, no matter what, we have put God first, and we have put our brothers and sisters first. Worshiping together is is an experience that we cannot replace by staying home and reading the Bible or singing a song. So that's something that we're already doing. We, We have God, and we have the love of God. I'm focusing more on the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. As you know, the Methodist Church is going through a transition right now. It could be a divisive uh, issue. But if we keep our eyes on our goal, and our goal is to love God, then we can focus on the second commandment, loving our neighbor as ourselves. And that's what I call a 2 for commandment You know, two for the price of one? You have to love yourself. And that's something that, for some of us, might be hard on any given day. Why? Because we put something on, and it's like, it shrunk overnight. (laughs) Or we go to the store, and somebody takes our parking spot, And words come out of our mouth that make us not love ourselves. But this commandment says, you should love yourself. We should get up in the morning, look at ourselves, and it's something that we physically have to do to be reminded. Look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, thank you, God, for making me who I am today. For giving me the opportunity to praise you today. And remember that God created us in his image. So if we're not happy with who we are, then we're really not loving God. And we're really questioning whether he knew what he was doing. And I personally think that he knows. He knows what he did and he had the best intention and he loves us no matter what. So we have to love ourselves. Now that we love ourselves, now that we have looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, Thank you, God. Now we can work on the second part of the commandment, which is loving our neighbors Because if we don't have love for ourselves, then we don't know how to love somebody else. We can't do it. But we can look at our neighbor and we need to remember that hey, God didn't just make me, God made you. God made my neighbor next door. God made the little kid that just kind of runs without looking where he's going. God made everybody to his image. And my job or my commandment is to love them as, them, as I love myself. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, they were people not liking each other. They were always trying to up one another. And asking Jesus the question, what is the greatest commandment? since you have broken everyone that we had because of everything that he had done, it's like, well, I'm going to get you here, Jesus. We're going to find you at fault. And Jesus replied, nope. Two things. Love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. That's three, I know. But, you know, um... So, what does Jesus teach us by saying these things? As I was reading this and preparing for the sermon today, I remembered, oh, let's see. Jesus said to love my neighbor. Did he say if they were wearing Converse or Nike shoes or they were dressed to the nines as we say it? No. No. Jesus said just to love my neighbor. And he was an example to follow. He modeled what that meant. Remember when the sick woman that had been bleeding for months, for years, came and touched his clothing? He loved her. And who was she? She was somebody that was shunned by society, shunned by people around her. But he knew that she was a neighbor. And he not only healed her, but he told us a great teaching, a great example that he had given everybody, which was having faith. So even when we think a neighbor cannot teach us anything because we read our Bible every day, because we do our devotional every morning or every night, our neighbor can still teach us something that we are lacking or remind us of something that we need to hone in on. In this case, the woman had faith. If I can just touch him, I will be healed. And she was Her faith healed her. And Jesus made it a point to say to everybody, your faith has made you well. So that's people that are sick, our neighbors that are not 100%. Another example would be the lepers that came to Jesus for healing. They were were outcasts. They were not part of the community. They had to leave somewhere else. But they all came to Jesus because they knew they had heard about him. And he made them well. He healed them. Well, we can focus on the nine that didn't come back. Or we can focus on the one that came back. And what does that one person teach us? It reminds us of the gratitude that we should have toward one another. Jesus told them what to do. And they could have just gone their way and not say anything. But this one person came back and said, Thank you for making me well. Thank you for healing me. And that's something that we need to remember. We need to thank our God every day, every morning, because he is always at work in our lives. The minute little illnesses that we have, he's going to heal them. And then another example of Jesus' love comes through the disciples themselves, Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. He was somebody that people did not like. He had a profession that was not well liked by others. I don't think we like the tax collectors to this day. You know, it's not just one person, but we have the IRS, and you say those words, and it's like, ooh. You turn 18, and you begin to know the meaning of those words. The IRS. Well, you know what? God, Jesus, went to have dinner with him. He wanted Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He climbed that tree and he wanted to see. Just I just want to look at him. And he is blessed when Jesus says, Come down. I'm going to your house today. I don't care that you're a tax collector. I know that you are my neighbor and I know that you are made in God's image and I am going to have dinner with you today. Another great example of how Jesus teaches us the greatest commandment, the second greatest commandment. And then my favorite passage of the Bible and that comes, I guess, with a bias. Being a teacher Um, I heard somebody say on TV, it's not my profession, it's my calling. And that's the way I look at it. Those of you that teach, you know that teaching is a calling because you have to have have it. It's not an 8 to 3 job. It's an 8 to, or 6 to 6 in my case, plus weekends here and there. I don't regret it, because I love the children. And what did Jesus say when the disciples were trying to get the kids out of the way? It's like, oh, be quiet. You don't belong here. You're interrupting the master, the teacher. Jesus said, let the children come to me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So whenever I have a difficulty in the classroom... I always have to stop, breathe, and remember a child is also my neighbor. A child is also made in the image of God. A child is there for me to love no matter what. And then take a look at who Jesus chose to be his disciples. Did he go to the Ivy League universities to find somebody to to follow him? Did he go to Beverly Hills or Malibu or PV to find somebody to follow him? No. He went amongst the people. He went amongst the fishermen to find the people that were going to be his followers. One of his greatest helpers was Paul. And where did he find him? He found him on the way to torture some people. He spoke to him and he said, Okay, enough is enough. You are going to be my helper. And Paul became one of his greatest, one of our greatest examples of loving our neighbors. He had to prove himself, I'm sure. Because after somebody does something mean to you, if they come back to you, you don't just open your doors right away. You're a little hesitant and you kind of like, "Mm, what do you really want? But you know what? Paul was a follower of God, a follower of Jesus. So as our conference, as our bishops and our brothers and sisters in general conference come together for such a, such an important and such a divisive issue of homosexuality. Those are taboo. That's a taboo word in the the church. It should not be. Our beliefs are there because of the way we grew up, because of what we have been taught. But I want us to keep in mind, besides the greatest commandment, To love God, to love our neighbor, to love ourselves. I want us to remember Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Who is our judge? I know that we have some lawyers in in our congregation, people that have studied the law. They're not judges. They know the law. I know that there are people that have studied the Bible tremendously. They know it from beginning to end. They can quote anything. They can tell you and rebuke anything. But you know what? We are not here to judge others. We are here... To love God. To love our neighbor no matter what. To show them the love that God has for them. To include them in our worship. To feel them, make them feel welcome amongst ourselves. And then, leave it to God. God is the one that is our judge. God is the only one that I'm going to go up there. When I die, he's going to be there, and I'm going to say, okay, God, here is what I have done throughout the life that you gave me. You're the only one that can judge. You have all the ins and outs as to why I did things the way I did. I don't need to explain myself to my brothers and sisters. Yes, I want to be an example of what God wants me to be. But ultimately, my judge is going to be God. And I want to give God that opportunity to work through me to show others the love of God, to work through me to show others how best I interpret the scriptures, how best I live the godly life that he has given me. Let's keep that in mind as we go about our daily business. Let's keep in mind the love of God as we continue to worship, as we continue to pray Not just for our general conference, but for all of our brothers and sisters that are here with us, that are not here with us, that are going through difficult times. We need to remember that God has called us, just like the hymn said this morning. Jesus calls us. Now it's time for us to remember, okay, I have done what I'm here to do, what you sent me to do. I am loving my brothers and sisters. Sure, they might not believe the same way I believe. They might not dress the same way I dress. They might not speak the same way I speak. But I'm here to love them. And I'm here to work at it sometimes. It takes work. Just like it takes work for you to get up in the morning and to look at the mirror and say, yes, I love myself. It it takes work to love our our brothers and our sisters. But you know what? The next hymn is going to be our rock. Why can we do that? Because God's faithfulness is great. And God's faithfulness is going to help us attain and get to where God wants us to go. Amen.